All right, so I think most of you know me, but for those that don't, they said before, my name is Sarah. Um, I grew up in Hazlitt for most of my life, and for the past couple of years, I've lived in California. So uh, I just completed two years of ministry school at Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry, and now I'm visiting home, and in a couple of weeks, I'll be moving to Sacramento. Uh, to work with Jesus Culture. So some of you know their music. It's also a church. It's just a movement. So I'm really excited to go after this opportunity and see what the Lord does through it. So, yeah. Um, today we're going to be speaking about the topic of honor. And honor is one of those things that, I, it's something you always hear, but I, I don't feel like I ever knew what what it looked like practically, what the definition was. I remember when I was a kid and I would go off to children's ministry, I would hear, honor your father and mother so you'll live a, a, a long life. And I was like, okay, well, I have to obey my parents or I'm going to die like tomorrow. So <laughs> that was my experience with it. But over the past couple of years, I've really felt um, so much breakthrough in my life by learning how to honor other people. And I think it looks different in different ways. I'm not saying that the ways that I have honored people in the past is the way that you should do it. I think that it looks different in different situations. It's not black and white. But the awesome thing is, is that we were sent the Holy Spirit, who is our guide. He's the revealer of truth. He's our advocate. He's our comforter. So when you're going about your life, just be aware of what he's doing. Be aware of what he's speaking to you. And yeah. Cool. So let's let's go over some of the definitions. You can find these anywhere. I looked them up in the dictionary, so that's where you usually find definitions. Um, honor. It means to regard with a great respect. So how many of you have heard the like you need to earn respect? That's how like you need to earn honor. You need to have a you need to have a place in order to receive honor. In order for people to look at you a certain way, you need to you need to earn it, right? So I want to make a distinction between honor and respect. And yes, honor is included in the definition, or respect is included in the definition of honor, but the definition of respect is the feeling of deep admiration for someone or something elicited by their abilities, qualities, or achievements. So again, when we're talking about, oh, you have to earn your place, you need to have these achievements, you need to be this certain age, otherwise you can't do this. I'm going to look at you this certain way until you turn the magic age of 45, and then that is when you are allowed to speak in church, right? Things like that. So anything that we, need, we feel that we need to earn, that would go under the category of respect. But in the kingdom of God, a lot of things are opposite, right? So what honor tells us to do is that we still regard them with a great respect, regardless if they have those qualifications, regardless if they've earned it or not. You might be asking, why, why would I listen to somebody that's 20 years younger than me? You know, I have a degree in molecular biology and all of these things. And I'm not saying that any of those things are bad. I think that's amazing. I am a very big advocate for education. And I do think... And, Culturally, I understand how there is uh, that when, when you're a certain age, you know, you gather more respect. But I think that we need to have an understanding that all of us have an inherent value just by being made in the image of God, just by being his children. And that itself is what garners honor, right? So when you look to the other person, you see that they were made in the image of God. That should be enough for you to want to honor them. Right? When we go to Genesis 1.26, it's a very well-known verse. It says, let us make man in our image after our likeness. For every other creature, it said, they're going to be fish. They're going to swim in the seas. They're going to be birds. They're going to fly in the sky. But when it came to making man, when it came to making humanity, God was really intentional with what he was doing. He said, let us make man after our likeness. Let us make man in our image. 
So right then and there, we know that, okay, the person next to you, they're made in the image of God. You can look to the person next to you and say, you look like Jesus. Good job. <laughs> so not only from, from creation, where we created to look like God, to be like God, God also sent his son to die for us. If that wasn't enough, if looking like God wasn't enough, he also sent his only son to die for us so that we can live a full life. Everybody knows the verse John 3, 16, right? For God so loved the world, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So Jesus died for all of the world because God loved all of the world. He did not only like some or a few or a couple. And <laughs> in Ephesians, it tells us that he chose us before the foundations of the earth. Isn't that insane? That before you even did anything wrong, before anything happened, God still chose you. He chose you specifically. You were made after him. He sent his son to die for you because he loved you. And I'm not diminishing that it can be really hard to honor people despite that. Yesterday, I was at Costco with my mother and my, my little brother, Michael. And <laughs> there was this woman, and I just call, I, re, I referred to her as the lady with the mean face because she was looking very angry. And somehow, in one swift movement, she was able to hit me, the cart, and my little brother all at once. And I was like, wow. And she didn't care. That was totally fine. I was like, all right. And in, my, in me, I, like my justice heart was like, how could you do that? There's a child there. I'm there. Do you not see where you're going? And I literally got in the car. My mom was laughing at me. And I was like, Lord, bless this woman with the mean face. You did not create her to hit me and my child in the shopping cart. That is not her purpose in life. Let her come to you. And it was funny, but I was so serious. I was like, Lord, please let me change my heart because I am angry right now. But yeah, so I'm saying <laughs> with my silly examples that I understand that we, that it can be really hard to honor people in certain situations. But our job as Christians is to affirm their identity in Christ. So even though people are not acting the right way, it's our job because we've already received, we've already received our identity knowing, okay, I'm a child of God. I know that this is the way I'm supposed to act. There are a lot of people that don't know the Lord. So they're just acting by whatever moral values that they have. So it's our job to affirm who they are in the Lord. Hopefully they meet him and then we push them along in that journey. Does that make sense? So whenever you're, you're in a situation where you're like, okay, this person is really getting under my skin. I really don't want to honor this person. I really, they, they treated me wrong. I want you to have in the back of your head saying, okay, if God values them, shouldn't I? And then allow the Holy Spirit to take you there and say, okay, like what does it look like for me to honor them in this situation? And later on, I'm going to go through some situations that I personally went through and we'll have some laughs because some of them are just kind of funny. <laughs> So if you guys want to turn to Psalm 142, and we're going to talk about somebody named David, who many of you might have heard of before. Who here has heard of King David? Yes? Yes. So I'm going to give you a little bit of background before we jump into scripture. Uh, David was anointed to be king by the prophet Samuel. They estimate at around the age of 10 to 15, right? So he was just a little kid. He was not going to be king until he was around 30, and he didn't take full dominion over all of Israel until he was 37. So that's a really long time to sit and wait. Like, you get this calling, you get this purpose, and you're saying, okay, like, this is who I'm going to be, and then I have to wait, like, 30 
25 years in order to actually get to that place. So during this time, the Lord really was working on David's character because the issue with Saul is that even though he was anointed as king, he had some really deep character flaws. Um, so over time, David gets appointed as uh, Saul's general. He starts fighting battles for him, and he starts rising in fame and rising in favor, and Saul gets jealous. There's a, there's a really specific song where it says that Saul has slayed his thousands, David has slayed his ten thousands, and then you can just see, you know, like those cartoons where you see like the evil person in the back where their face gets all red and they're about to explode and steam's coming out of their ears. That's how I imagine Saul to be at that moment. So he gets overcome with jealousy and then he sets out to kill David. So he starts chasing David all around um, in order to kill him because he's jealous that, that his, the person that's coming up after him has already grown way bigger than he has. Um, and it's estimated that David was running from Saul for about seven years. So all this to say, David is not having a good time right now. He's not having, his life is not fun. <laughs> I like reading Psalms because it's like you're reading like an adolescent's diary. It's a little dramatic sometimes, but it really gives us insight to what David was feeling. So in Psalms 142, I'm going to start off at verse 4. It says, Look and see, there is no one at my right hand. No one is concerned for me. I have no refuge. No one cares for my life. I cry to you, Lord. I say, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Listen to my cry, for I am desperate need. Rescue me from those who pursue me, for they are too strong for me. So again, David is not having a fun time. He's writing about it here and saying, I, I can't do this, Lord. I need you to come through. These people are after my life. He's not in a good situation. And this is paralleled, um, if you guys want to turn to 1 Samuel 24, he's writing this around the time he's in a cave hiding from Saul. And this happens many times. There are many caves and many times that he's writing from Saul because this is over the course of about seven years. So I'm going to start in uh, verse 4. So that's 1 Samuel chapter 24, verse 4. And the men of David said to him, Here is the day of which the Lord said to you, Behold, I will give you your enemy into your hand, and you shall do to him as it shall seem good to you. Then David arose and stealthily cut off a corner of Saul's robe. And afterwards, David's heart struck him because he had cut off a corner of Saul's robe. He said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my Lord, the Lord's anointed, to put him out, to put out my hand against him, seeing that he is the Lord's anointed. So David persuaded his men with those words and did not permit them to attack Saul. And Saul rose up and left the cave and went on his way. What? He just let him go? Like, they were in, in this moment, his men, it's, it's the perfect setup, right? You're thinking, I'm thinking, like, this would make really bad TV, right? You're waiting for this epic battle, like, he's finally going to kill this guy that has been after his life. He's going to take the throne. He's going to live a great life. And he says, no, I'm not doing this. He recognizes that the Lord has put Saul there for an appointed time, and he's not going to go and take that himself. I'm going to continue in verse 8. Afterward, David also arose and went out of the cave and called after Saul, My Lord, my king. And when Saul looked behind him, David bowed his face to the earth and paid homage. Homage, however you say it. And David said to Saul, How, Why do you listen to the words of men who say, Behold, David seeks you harm. Behold, this day your eyes have seen how the Lord gave you today in my hand in the cave. And some told me to kill you, but I spared you. I said, I will not put out my hand against my Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. See, my father, see the corner of 
your robe in my hand. And for the fact that I cut off the corner of your robe and did not kill you, you may know and see that there is no wrong or treason in my hands. I have not sinned against you, though you hunt my life to take it. May the Lord judge between me and you. May the Lord avenge me against you, but my hand shall not be against you. So again, David recognized that at this moment, Saul was the Lord's anointed king, even though he had some, real, some really bad issues, right? So he saw past that. He saw past the issues. He saw past that he was going to kill him. He saw past all of those things. Saul is the bad guy. He saw past everything. And he said, but the Lord anointed him for this time. He anointed him to be king. And I, and I can't go past that. I can't, I can't go and, and go against him. So again, David's next in line to be king. He can make all of this end real quick. He can just take the throne and then everything would be good. But he knows that he's, he's not waiting for, he's not going to take it into his own hands. He's going to let God raise him up. And, I, and I'm reading this and I'm thinking, how would you, would you live your life differently if you knew that God was the judge between you and this other person, between you and somebody that's speaking bad about you, between you and your boss, between you and, and, and a friend that used to be a friend, but you guys had a friend breakup, whatever it is, would you act differently if you really believed in your heart that the Lord is the judge and he will avenge you? Right? When it's, when it's not up to us to bring another person down. It's up to God to raise us up. Right? So we have to learn how to not take situations into our hands and say, I can do this. I can bring them down. Watch but rather say, okay, Lord, I trust you. I know the calling that you have for my life, and I'm going to wait for your timing in order for you to raise me up. Does that make sense? And our actions need to reflect the conviction in our hearts. We can't just do these things and say these things, like, I'm going to wait on you, Lord. I'm going to trust you. I'm not going to say these things about this person because it's the right thing to do. We have to actually have the conviction in our hearts where I want to be intentional about honoring you. I can do something else, but I'm choosing to honor you in this way. We need to have consistency in our actions. And we see this in David because if you keep reading a couple chapters down, the same exact setup happens, right? There's, there's, a, there's a, an, an opportunity where David can go and kill Saul. And the exact same thing happens. When I say the exact same thing, he goes to Saul, tells him, I didn't kill you again. Saul goes, oh, yeah, you're great. And then this thing, it just keeps happening and happening. And again, David waited at least 15 to 20 years before he was waiting to be king. And the things that the Lord grew in him, the character that God grew in him during those 10 to 15 years was the foundation for him to later be known as the greatest king of Israel. Amen? So I'm going to go into some practical things. Um, just based off of my own experience and tie in some scripture in there. Um, I have different points. I'm really bad at naming messages, but I have some points if you want to write them down. Um, but my question to you that I want you to keep in, your back, in the back of your head while I'm going through these things is, what does it look like for us to honor people before they earn our respect or even after they've lost it, right? Because people aren't perfect, you know, especially like you can out in the secular world, but even in church, right? God, we are not Jesus. We have humanity. We mess up sometimes. And it's very possible for people to mess up and lose their respect. But again, we still have to honor them, and that's not always a fun thing to do. So the first way I want to talk about it with honor is to honor with confrontation. And when I mean confrontation, I mean healthy confrontation, not pointing them out, you did this, and I have the right to tell everyone. We're not talking about that. Um, <laughs> I hear verses like in Matthew 18 where it tells us that we need to 
we need to speak to us. So if somebody goes against us, we need to speak with them directly. And if it escalates to a point, then we need to bring in pastor or bring them to somebody else. And how many know confrontation is not fun? Some people enjoy it more than others, but confrontation is not fun. No one likes to go up to somebody and say, you hurt me. What you did here did not make me feel good because that puts us in a vulnerable position, right? We can sound weak. We can look weak if we admit that this person hurt us. They got past our wall, right? So uh, a couple months ago in April, I went to Brazil, and I was uh, co-leading a team of about 40. And I, I, was watching, I was watching a bunch of people do ministry, and I was watching the team dynamics. And I saw these two guys, and they were... They're very powerful. I'll say that. They had powerful voices. They knew that they carried influence, and they used it. Like, they were, if they saw something, they would say, hey, team, you see that? We're going to go after that. And in some aspects, that was really good. But the issue was that they were also using that influence, that leadership gift that was inside of them for negative things. So me, as a co-leader of the team, I, I would watch as they would say, you see this? We did this wrong. Everybody needs to go repent, blah, blah, blah. And what, in one instance, he was not correct, and I and I watched how everybody went from this high down to this low, right? And I was like, okay, this is not okay, but it'll blow over. And I remember talking to one of my overseers, and I said, you know, I really feel like they need, like, they don't, I don't think they know what they're doing. I don't think they know that they, that they can use their influence for positive things and also for negative things. And I don't, I don't think they understand that what they just did really had an effect on the team. And my overseer was like, Sarah, why don't you tell him? And I said, well, honestly, I don't, he has it pretty set in his mind and I don't think he would listen to me. And I had like, it's really convenient to cop out and say, you know, like they just have that personality where they're not gonna listen to me, right? Like they just, they just don't, they don't like that I'm a girl, they don't like that I'm 20, whatever. Like they just, they're just not gonna listen to me so it's just not worth it. And my overseer, I'm, I'm expecting him to agree and be like, yeah, you're right, just let it blow over. And he's like, you know, Sarah, when you refuse to confront somebody, you're actually denying them a chance to grow. And I was like, you know when the Lord just smacks you in the face? I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I have to do what I teach, and I have to actually confront them about, about this issue. And I did. I, I sat them down, and I was saying, I, I told them, I explained to them what was going on, but I did it in a way where I was also affirming their identity. I didn't say, hey, you did this wrong. You need to stop. Don't do this anymore. I started the conversation saying, hey, I'm really glad that you have such a big influence over the team. I'm really glad that they they confide in you and that they can listen to you, but let's talk about how we can use that gift that's inside of you for a more positive way rather than bringing down some of the team morale. And it actually ended up being a pretty quick conversation and I think I just was kind of scared and building it up in my mind. Does that make sense? Yeah, so just a little key for when you're confronting people, you wanna make sure that we're affirming our identity, um, their identity from the Lord when you do that, right? So it goes again, like we're affirming the value that's inside of them. They were, regardless of what they were acting like, they were made in his image and the Lord died for them. Those are some, those are some pretty good reasons to, to treat them with respect. The next point I wanna say is honor doesn't criticize. This does not mean that honor does not critique. They're two very different words. Um, the word criticize has a negative connotation where it basically, it points out everything that's wrong with you. It says everything in a negative context. You did this, you did that, blah, blah, blah. But when you use the word critique, that's different. You're, you're doing an analysis or you're evaluating somebody's actions. And 
you're separating the actions from that person. You're not attacking who they are, you're giving feedback on what they've done. Does that make sense? So if you wanna turn to Numbers 12, we're gonna talk about some family drama. All right, Numbers 12, verse one. Miriam and Aaron began, talked, began to talk against Moses because of his Cushite wife, that for he had married a Cushite. He, has the Lord spoken only through Moses, they asked? Hasn't he also spoken through us? And the Lord heard this. So I want you to imagine, these are, these are his siblings, right? I have a lot of siblings. So I'm imagining that Daniel and Chrissy are like, Sarah did this. Doesn't the Lord also use us? Like, who does Sarah think she is? This is how I'm imagining it in my head. And the Lord hears this. And God calls them out of their tents for a family meeting, basically. Um, he says, yes, he speaks to, if you read on, yes, I speak to you through visions, through, uh, through visions, all of these things. But Moses, I speak with him face to face because Moses was the most faithful. And he ends this this reprimand with, why then were you not afraid to speak against my service, Moses? And it ends with the Lord saying he was very angry with them. So what the mistake that Miriam and Aaron did here was that they diminished Moses' calling to an issue that they had with him. They took one issue that they didn't like and they, some, they twisted it into, I don't like this about him. So we should be raised up like him because, because we don't have that issue. So this whole thing brings down his calling, it brings down his gift, and it diminishes everything that he has done, the Lord has done through Moses. This is after they have gotten out of Egypt, after manna fell from heaven, after all of these things, they've seen amazing things happen through their brother Moses, but they don't like who he married, so therefore he doesn't hear from the Lord as much as he thought. And God has an issue with that. So then he brings, again, he brings them into a family meeting and corrects them. And there's, this is kind of tied to a principle that, you, that Jesus speaks about when he goes to send the disciples out. In Matthew, we don't have to turn there, but in Matthew 10, 41, Jesus is sending out his disciples to go and speak to the world, right? So he says, I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves. And then he says in, in Matthew 10, 41, anyone who welcomes you welcomes me. And anyone who welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. Whoever welcomes a prophet as a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And whoever welcomes a righteous person as a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. So there's actually something tied to when we honor what the Lord is doing. When we honor the gift, when we honor the calling that's on someone's life, we actually receive a reward. So it's, in this, they missed, they missed that. They said they wanted to talk about an issue. They totally missed that concept. They were not rewarded. But for us, if we, we, if we can simplify it and say, okay, if I partner with what God's doing, if I look at this person through his eyes, if I treat him how that he's valuable, if I treat him how the Lord sees him, then I actually get a reward out of that. Bam, that was easy. Not always, but if we simplify it, that's, that's, that's what it comes down to. Does that make sense? Uh, the next point I want to say is honor covers. And when I say cover, I mean provides a, a safe space. It provides a safe place. And I do not mean in the sense that we cover things up, that we hide things. Right? Everyone understands that distinction? Cool. Okay, let's go to Genesis 20. 
So we're gonna we're gonna learn a little bit about Noah, and so in Genesis nine twenty it says Noah began to be a man of the soil and he planted a vineyard. He drank of the wine and became drunk and lay uncovered in his tent. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brothers outside. Then Shem and Japheth took a garment, laid it on both their shoulders, walked backwards, and covered the nakedness of their father. Their faces were turned backwards, and they did not see their father's nakedness. So, again, Noah did this really great thing, right? He built the ark. He followed the Lord. He was saved from the flood. But then we find him here in a moment of weakness, in a moment of where he's in a really vulnerable state. He's drunk. He's naked. And his sons catch him in this act. And one son, he exposed him and said, hey, guys, look, dad's drunk. He's naked. Woo. And the other sons, they, knowing who their father was, they went and they covered him up with a blanket. And later he woke up and he acknowledged the difference of what the sons did. And how we can apply it to our lives is when we witness somebody in a moment of weakness and vulnerability, it's not our job to expose them in that moment and exploit it. Right? So even though they could do something really, really wrong, but it's not our job to tell the whole world and write a newspaper article about it. What we, what we should be doing is... We, are need to, we need to create a safe place for them to encounter Jesus, right? The Holy Spirit's really powerful. I trust him to do his job, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help facilitate that in whatever way I can. So right at that moment where Noah is still drunk and still naked, that's probably not the best time to confront him. Dad, you're drunk. You're also naked. We need to have a conversation about how to fix it. Probably not the best time to do it. You know, <laughs> he was confronted later on, but... We can, we can use this example on how to, how to navigate through this thing. If we see things that are going wrong, it can be somebody that you're close to, but it's not our job to, to expose them and exploit them, like I said before. That doesn't mean that we can't confront them. That doesn't mean that we can't correct them at a later time. And we're not, we're not here to coddle them and say, you know, you can keep messing up. That is not what I am saying. What I am saying is that we have to let the Holy Spirit do his job while we facilitate it, right? I trust Jesus to do to fix that person. I, he could fix that person better than I can fix that person. Does that make sense? Cool. All right. My last point. I'm going kind of fast, eh? I talk really fast. Sorry. Um, <laughs> the last thing I want to talk about is honor calls out the gold and pushes you towards your identity in Christ. So, again, we've started from the beginning where we're affirming our identity. We were made in his image you know, God sent his son to die for us, so we're, we have that inherent value without us doing anything. When a baby is born, it's still just as valuable as somebody that's 70 years old, right? So in my first year of BSSM, there's the way that the curriculum works is that you're in small groups. So a small group is a group of, like, four to five people of the same sex, and you go over the curriculum a little bit better. You get more, you have a set amount of people that you get to talk about and talk about whatever. So... When I was in my small group, my small group leader was somebody that I would butt heads with almost every week. I, I didn't agree with what they were doing. I didn't agree with how they were leading the group. I just, I was salty, as you might hear these days. Um, and, but basically, I was holding up to these expectations and these standards that 
she wasn't honestly going to be able to meet, and I thought I was on my high horse. Don't you know I studied leadership at Rutgers University? It is the State University of New Jersey, so clearly I know better than you. And the issue here is that I was actually taking offense to what was going on. I didn't think that I was. I thought I was like, I'm just holding her up to a standard that I would hold anybody up to. So in my head, I was justifying myself for, for judging her and for saying, she's doing this wrong. I don't like what she's doing, whatever it was. So I talked to my mentor, <laughs> and she goes, Sarah, you're offended. And I said, no, I'm not. She's like, you're offended. And she's like, why don't you ask the Lord while you're offended? So I go to Jesus, and I'm like, Holy Spirit, she said, I'm offended. And he said, you are. <laughs> you know how you expect to get sympathy? Nope, none of that. I didn't get He said, you're offended. And I said, God, why am I offended? And he said, because you're holding her to expectations um, that she's not going to be able to meet. So when she fails because she can't meet these, you're there. You want to shove it in her face. And I was like, okay, well, that's not nice. So what, I'm offended. What do I do? How do I get out of this? How do I stop being offended? How do I stop judging her? based off of her lack of experience in this area of leadership. And he said, you're going to write her a letter. And I told him, I have bad handwriting, so I don't know if she's going to get much out of that. <laughs> and he said, that's fine. You're going to read it out in front of her and your entire small group. And I said, excuse me? And I was like, God, I do not want to lie. I am not going to tell her she's doing a great job and all these things. And he's like, I didn't tell you to lie. I told you to affirm who she was and her identity. And I told you to affirm who she's going to be. And he's like, Sarah, I actually put her in that place of leadership. And I was like, you know, like you don't have a good response. So I just sat there quiet like, okay, I guess if you put her there, then she's supposed to be there. So I should just work with it. <laughs> so I write this letter. And I was living with Giovanni at the time, so she can, she can attest to this. I was, like, in my apartment, and I was like, I don't want to write this letter. I don't want to do this. God, like, and he's like, why don't you just ask me for your perspective? Because I was, I was really, in my head, I was like, God, I don't know a nice thing to say about her in my head. He's like, that's fine. Just ask me. So I wrote this letter with the Lord of just honoring who she was as a leader, saying the things that she was, that she was doing right and who she was and who the Lord had called her to be. So there was clearly a gift of leadership on her life where she was able to go out and all these people would get saved by her just like going out for like 10 minutes. And I chose to see past that and see something else. So I affirmed her in these areas and I brought them up and she was she was really touched when I read this out. We had a conversation after that, and she, she, she could definitely tell that I was, I was salty Sarah for a long time. Um, but when she heard this, she was, she was really touched, and she came up to me, and she says, Sarah, like, I, like, she's like, thank you so much. You know, like, I, I feel, she started to open her up and say, you know, I feel like I'm, I don't know what I'm doing here. And I'm like, me and my judgmental head shut down the thoughts. Yeah, I could tell. No, we're not going to go there. And she's like, you know, I don't have the experience. I don't know why I'm put in this position, but I feel like the Lord placed me here. And then I got to partner with the Holy Spirit in that, in that moment and say, you know what? He did put you there. He put you here in a safe place for you to be able to learn so that when it comes time to where these things count and you're actually leading people outside of a ministry school, you're going to know how to do it. And it ended up being this really sweet moment. And I remember going home, and I just I felt like a weight was taken off my chest. I was like, oh, I felt so much freedom after doing this. Because the Lord told me to see through his eyes and see his, through his perspective of love and let go of my, my, judgy, my judgy self. And it, just, it, made me, it made it so much easier to love her and so much easier for me to give her the grace to learn, even if it was inconvenient for me. That make sense? Cool. So 
I don't know what time it is, but that's all the notes that I have. Okay. <laughs> so I'm going to call Giovanni up. Um, we're going to go into some ministry time. And again, this whole message has to do with how, how do we honor people when it's difficult? How do, we see the, how do we choose to see the value in some people when they're not acting like they're valuable? So there are things I mentioned before that I was holding this girl up to, to unmet expectations, to standards that were impossible. And I want you to, to really ask the Lord, if you have somebody in your mind that you're thinking of, like, hey, like, actually, it's been really hard for me to honor this person. They are really difficult. They did this. They did this. And I'm not diminishing what they did because, you know, people are not fun all the time. I understand that. But I want you to really ask the Lord and say, okay, what is it that's making it hard for me to honor this person? Am I holding them to expectations that they're not able to meet? Do I have unforgiveness in my heart after something that they did? Am I bitter from a situation? Do I have pride? Am I, am, are they, is it somebody that, is somebody in a place of a position that I feel like I'm supposed to be in? And I want to leave us some space.